What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out my band, Run With It, at Run With It Band. That's at Run With It Band, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, all the places you follow people at. You can also connect with us at runwithitband.net. That is runwithitband.net. On today's episode, we have entrepreneur and creator Mike Lynn. Mike Lynn worked in tech for 17 years, including being the 43rd employee and second designer at LinkedIn. He also worked at Yahoo and Zynga. His entrepreneurial pursuits include live streaming virtual concerts, working on his startup T-Shirts Matters, and dropping Banksy NFTs on 2 22 in November of 2015, Mike gathered 50-plus travel and music scopers and did a broadcast on six continents that traveled around the world. On 1-11-22, he produced Social Media Rockstar, which eight artists performed a 20-minute set, including a Taylor Swift cover, and his co-host Ashley Leeching is a Taylor Swift lookalike with over 550,000 followers on TikTok. In this episode, he shares his story of touring with the Vans Warp Tour, working in the tech bubble, finding his way to employee number 43 at LinkedIn, and how he's leveraging his time and resources to launch multiple creative entrepreneurial endeavors. We also talk tools he's learned battling bipolar disorder and manic episodes, and we dive into the subject of NFTs a whole lot. So I hope you guys enjoy. It's a great episode and a whole lot of great detail. Thank you. The Live and Create Podcast. I have a shirt that you might like. Which one is it? It's a new design. Actually, we've moved over from Spring to Shopify. Okay. On the are storefront. You, are you enjoying Shopify better? It's the rates are better. We're making. We'd be well. The margins are better for making money. Nice. And um, I don't have to worry about having content being taken down because of a uh, trademark infringement. Which oh really? Spring actually is very keen on making sure that if you don't follow stuff they'll just take your stuff down so i have to be careful not to lose my my uh my account so so now i feel because you own own some of those trademarks that are in dispute right Um, uh but teespring's just like we're not fucking with it we're we're you're exactly they're like if you put something that says ohana means family just keep swimming let it go to infinity and beyond house to mouse Mortar mouse. Well, we're going to take yourself down. So <laughs> now, for you, do you actually own some of those trademarks you just said? No, but neither does Disney. Disney oh. just—they don't—they don't have actually have the trademarks, but they are just very uh, defensive in in you know anything that might possibly infringe upon their uh, IP. So. Uh... Is it basically like they're sending out cease and desist letters to you or like in that instance, they're going after like Teespring saying like, hey, you're hosting this. Blah, blah, blah. No, they're not going after Teespring. They're coming after me. Okay. Um, so you've gotten some used... letters from Disney. Well, the way that a trademark works is uh, you file a trademark. And there's a, you know, examiner that decides whether or not you can actually, you know, register it. Well, if you can register it then they file it for opposition. It's okay. during the opposition phase that Disney will oppose you. I see. Yeah. So it's now not how like did it just... you 
I'm curious with that because we've known each other for a good while. We've talked about the trademark yeah. thing too, but I'm I'm not super familiar with that world, and I don't. And I saw you had put oh, yeah. some stuff out on LinkedIn with Banksy uh, yeah. and all that, and I saw it's it's a bit controversial. So, can you break down like what that trademark world looks like? Uh, the trademark world works like you 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 basically go in and you can do a search at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to see whether or not someone has actually filed that trademark and have it registered. The thing about a trademark is you have to specify a class. For me, I'm filing for class 35, which is online retail, which is everything from like uh, T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, mugs, posters, tote bags, um, things of that nature. The other thing that's similar is class 25. That's also like apparel. But that's okay. like people that are actually like, you know, creating the 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 the, the apparel and it's not print on demand. Oh, so, so like they're for you, you're doing print on demand, like almost like a drop shipping thing, right? Yeah, it's print on demand. Okay. So for example, you could have like something like uh say the block mamba mm-hmm. and you could have the block mamba like a barbecues or you know, you could have like a you could just have like various different classes as, as to what it's going to be. Um, so with the metaverse, there's actually now a class nine. Class nine is like dig- digital goods. So NFTs, those fall under class nine. So there's like, so from with the NFTs itself, it's essentially certified within the blockchain, but you can also get it trademarked outside is what you're saying? Yeah, you can actually get it trademarked. So is it you, necessary you, at this point, though, do you think? Or what's your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Let's say you're Nike. <laughs> you're Nike. Are you going to want to get class nine? Of course you are. You, well, you're going to yeah, want to have right. <laughs> You know, if it's valuable enough for you, it's... Uh, I think the uh, it's something like $325 is the fee for the filing fee. Okay. I have an attorney that's legally.co that might cost like 150 to 100 100 to 150 for the legal fees. Okay. But yeah. then you're covered. So like for example Nike, right? So if they had they yeah. wanted to trademark, they did an entire collection like say they did a thousand, you know, piece collection of NFT, would that be considered one trademark or would they have to trademark each one? So you're talking. No, 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 no. It would be, it would, it would be the same thing as like, you know, trademarking in class 25 for apparel. You know, you have multiple pieces of apparel that you're going to have. Same thing. Class nine. You're just saying that you want to have the uh, trademark within a specific class, which is NFTs. And it would cover that whole, that whole piece, anything Nike's doing at that moment. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, sorry. I'm I'm fairly I'm I'm trying to learn as much as I can, but I'm fairly yeah. ignorant to the space. So I got a lot of That's questions. Fine. That's fine. No, <laughs> people ask, listening ask, are ask probably questions. like, "What what are these nerds talking about with the NFT stuff?" But I I can geek out on this stuff. This is great. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy happening in the uh, NFT space right now because there's a a lot of people that are actually like minting brands. Like there's a you know. On OpenSea, there's someone that's actually like minting like, you know, Subway and oh, Walmart. Wow. And there was actually a, there's a company called Mischief. Okay. They're the same company that actually put together the little Nas X, the uh, Nike like blood. like. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Dude, dude, I want a pair of those one day. I, I'm sure I can't afford it at the moment, but you know that life, yeah. hashtag life goals. But yeah, so they're so they getting actually, into the NFT space then. Yeah, they actually had something called the uh, cease and desist uh, rally, where they created these <laughs> racing jerseys with like brands like Subway and Walmart. And so they said, okay, whichever brand sends us a cease and desist first, they win. And anyone that's bought that jersey gets free hats. Wow. So for fun, Subway's like, okay, we're going to send you a cease and desist because we want all our fans to get free hats. <laughs> so Subway saw saw how they could leverage it instead of seeing the they, battle of it. They actually, you know, participated in, in the fun of, you know, like, right. you know, trademark infringement and, and sending cease and desist letters and just you know they're, they're just having a good time with it so it wasn't so like they're called like, mischief is what it is uh it's like mschf mischief okay. yeah and it's funny because it sounds like they're they're leveraging you know trademarks and all that world as a way to troll other people in some ways just to have a lot of fun and it's funny to think of like little nos x because that's i think he's a fucking brilliant artist yeah and i think he's brilliant on twitter because it's like he yeah. he can just get under people's skin so quick it's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's trolling but it's it's odd at the same time like you know you you basically yeah. like follow a trademark and you know you're gonna get like you know people that are gonna like try to send you a cease and desist or they're gonna oppose it and that way you get a little bit of publicity i've gotten publicity for like getting opposition from beyonce right. disney and Kobe Bryant. That's right. You were talking about that. So, so that's, and again, like it, there, I'm asking questions cause I'm ignorant. So if they are ignorant questions, I apologize, but no, no, no. Um, there's so, still ignorant questions. So for you and, and maybe people in this space, is that, is that the goal? Like as you're, so it's less about trying to sell and make money off that brand, but it's trying to leverage that trademark to get that free publicity in a way. Yeah, that's one way to go about it, to get free publicity. Um, I think my my issue was, uh, so I'm, I was born in 1972. So okay. in a state of mania, I filed for 72 trademarks using Legally.co, but then I filed for two more on my own. So I hit up 74. And I got a, I got a little bit of press in World Trademark Review and a couple other different places. So Beyonce opposed me, Disney opposed me, Kobe Bryant opposed me. And, uh, yeah. And so that, that kind of like launched it out there now. And I, I do want to, cause I know part of your story, like you said, in a, in a kind of fit of, of mania. And I know you've struggled with like bipolar depression, those kind of yeah. things I've shared with you. And as we've talked on the phone, like depression, not to the extent of bipolar, but depression, yeah. OCD has been part of my life. I'd love to get to that part, mm -hmm. uh, but kind of like rewinding a little bit. So for you, you were born in Taiwan, correct? No, I was born in Ohio. You were born in Ohio. Okay. So I got that wrong, but you're in Taiwan currently. I'm currently in Taiwan. I, I get back to okay. the States in, in uh, early April. Oh, okay. And then you're out in San Francisco when you're, when you're here. That's I'm in San Francisco. For you. Yeah. That's where I live. Yep. And that, from my understanding, that was like, your big start into the tech world um, as you were part of LinkedIn. And can you kind of break down a little bit what you were doing with LinkedIn when they first got going? 
Um, so I'll rewind a little bit. Um, my background actually was uh, in college. I was a international relations major, but I actually booked bands in college. So I booked, uh, there's two bands that I booked before they released the first albums. One was No Doubt that I booked for about $1,300. And there's a band that I was trying to book for $300, but the uh, guitar player is, uh, you know, kind of smart, went to Harvard. He's like, hey, buddy, can you, uh, can you give us 25 bucks for gas? I was like, okay, 325 deal, done. There's a t- itty bitty little band called Rage Against the Machine that yeah. uh, played. I think they ended up getting a little more than 325 eventually, right? Not for me. Not from you. <laughs> Not for me. So, so your passion started in music then? My passion was in music, yeah. I actually, okay. out of college, I worked for this event production company with these two guys that were partners. Ray Woodbury and Kevin Lyman. That, in- that's a name right there. <laughs> 1995 kevin lyman created the warp tour so i was the tour manager assistant that year in 1996 i actually learned html and took a class in photoshop and designed the very first vans warp tour website in 96 and went out on the road and i wrote, wrote road journals and same thing in 1997 i was out on the road writing road journals that's amazing so it's funny because out of i mean we've known each other what like six years now something like that yeah and out of that time for some reason i had it flipped in my mind for some reason i thought you started at linkedin and then ended up going towards but even now when i think about it how long warp tour has been around i i should have understood that so that's amazing so um when you were with lyman that that kind of opened the door you guys help create that together or was it a thing that he was building and he was like hey I no that was his that was his deal i just did the website 96 like i i was just like i had no part in booking the bands or anything i was just you know out on the road recording what was going on on, on a day-to-day basis right so essentially was it like a, a daily blog of of like it was a daily it was, it was a daily to- blog it was a daily road journal of what was happening and actually if you go to uh if you go to the Wayback Machine, you can actually see all the uh, the articles that were written back in like 96, 97. Okay. I have to write yeah. that down. Remember that. That would be cool to check out. So with that, how long did you do that with Warp Tour? I did that for two years, but I was out, I was out on the road with the first three uh, Warp Tours, and I actually went out for a week on uh, 90, uh, 98. That was the year that uh, a young uh, young rapper was actually out on the tour. A little rapper out of a Detroit, Michigan called Eminem. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you get to hang out and with there, him at all? No, I was just I was just out on the road for the first week, and then there's right. actually uh, in ninety what year was it? Ninety five. There's a band that actually played a couple of dates near the end of the tour. The Deftones. Damn. No doubt, Deftones, Rage. You got to see a lot of like history from the bands. beginning. Yeah, and then actually in uh, 1990, uh, it was either 96 or I think it was 96, 97. There was this band that was out on the road. They uh, they were in a van, but Kevin said, "Hey, you can hop on the bus." Tiny, tiny little band, three piece band, a trio called Blink 182. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, so much history, man. So much history. Now, that's what... why they have the the song "The Rock Show." That's all about the Van's Warped Tours. The Rock Show. That's awesome. 
Now, how did you end up from, you know, touring with all these like iconic, like soon to be iconic names um, in a very soon to be iconic uh, tour? Like, how did you get from there into the tech world? Uh, So back in about 1995, I was like, hey, what's this World Wide Web? You know, like, what's this HTML? So I got a book, Laura LeMay, learn HTML in like six weeks. So I did that. I, I took that. a class, in, an intro to graph design class and a Photoshop class. And uh, yeah, I just started, I, I quit working for Kevin and Ray and kind of did my own thing. I uh, I did a website for this band while they were recording this album called Warning. Met these guys in the studio, a band called Green Day. So They did okay. They did okay. They did okay for themselves. I did, yeah, they did okay. And then... um. I went on to go work for a company in uh, Pasadena, and I actually brought them a client, and uh, I designed the very first Hot Topic website. That's awesome. Yeah, Hot Topic. And then uh, 97, I moved up to the Bay Area because uh, my uh, my girlfriend at the time, her, her family lived up there, so I moved up there. I did a semester at the Academy of Art. Took a intro to figure figure jogging, uh, a color theory class, and like some some other classes that I don't don't really recall that were related to uh, advertising, I believe. Okay. And uh, after about a semester, I was like, you know what? It's expensive. Why don't I try to find a job? So I found a job with a company called Adjacency, and worked on things like Power Bar, and um, I actually did a, a site for the uh, X Games volunteer website, and and I got tickets for uh, VIP for the uh, X Games in San Francisco. Nice. And that company got acquired by Sapient, and uh, there were only one of there were only two tech companies on uh, the S and P five hundred. It was uh, it was Yahoo and it was, and it was uh, Sapient. So I got to experience the uh, the the internet bubble, okay. as well as the bursting of the bubble. And from there, I went to go work for Yahoo. I worked on Yahoo Shopping and Yahoo Travel. Damn. That was from a 90, that was actually from 2002 to 2006. 2006, I actually uh, applied for a job at LinkedIn and I didn't hear, hear back. And I actually used LinkedIn to find the hiring manager and I, and I direct messaged <laughs> him and he like, he responded to me directly. So that was a little bit of a hustle. So, that's I started there about I love that there were about 40 people at at LinkedIn at the time when I started I was actually I came on board as a, as a second designer okay so I was there for like about four and a half years went to go work for Zynga I got laid off from Zynga in 2013 but um when LinkedIn IPO I actually you know that made a, a considerable amount of money that you know allowed me to you know kind of be like self you know semi-retired yeah. And so with being that in, so if you're like, well, in, you're there in the beginning of LinkedIn, right? So was it a, like a stock option thing? Is that what they gave you guys as you came in? Kind of like, yeah, hey, do you, you believe you, in the company? Yeah. In the Valley, you actually get stock options. Okay. That's awesome, man. And so yeah. after you, <laughs> it's just crazy, the iconic names um, that you were able to be part of in that journey. And then to think about what LinkedIn is now is, yeah, and I huge. love, I love that you still, 
you used LinkedIn, LinkedIn to become part of LinkedIn. That's brilliant. Yeah. But so after that moment, now, like you said, you have this semi-retire thing, but uh, now you you combine, you started combining your passion for music, your passion for business, obviously, uh, and design, all these things together. What were some of the next steps for you after leaving uh, LinkedIn? So I joined Zynga. They were actually in San Francisco, so I didn't, didn't have to commute down to the valley. And uh, Zynga was actually expected to have a pretty big IPO. Mm. They um, they were a considerable percentage of, of Facebook's income. It was like something like 10% of income yep. generated was through Zynga games like Farmville. And um, what happened was mobile games came along and... Uh, Zynga wasn't quick enough to pivot. So they laid off a, a good percentage of the company. So I got laid off in June of 2013. And uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, background design. And um, so I ended up like not being able to uh, uh, find a job. So I ended up getting depressed. I was uh, depressed for about two years. I mm -hmm. ended up doing about four stints and, uh, in mental health facilities, I uh, okay. was so depressed that uh, it was recommended that I do uh, uh, ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy, which is electric shock therapy. Okay. So I did 12 sessions of electric shock therapy. This while you were then, admitted in one of the hospitals or facilities? Uh, not, while I was, well, not while I was admitted, but um, one of the uh, therapists just said, you know, you're so severely depressed. Let's try to do something to get you out of it. So they, they recommended ECT. What happened was I ended up going back to Taiwan to be with my parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they had moved that from was, Ohio to Taiwan at that point. I was actually I was out in San Francisco, San Francisco. So San Francisco to Taipei, Taiwan. Okay. What happened was I then discovered uh, Periscope in March of 2015. And I had a channel called Influencers TV where I was going to interview people. There was no traction there. And then all of a sudden I had this idea for this concept called scope day mm -hmm. where I was going to get a bunch of travel scopers and musicians and kind of travel that's around how we the world. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, November 7th of 2015 was the first scope day, which had 50 plus broadcasters, 12 musicians, uh, each playing one Taylor Swift song. And that actually generated quite a bit of interest. It's a lot of this Taylor Swift with you. <laughs> It's a lot of Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's true. That's that's so, why we carried. Oh, go ahead. That's why we carried over Taylor Swift onto the uh, the first social media rock star, which Miguel was you know part of with the run with it. <laughs> that's brilliant, man. So the scope day, and as you're coming out of like this kind of this this darkness, this depression that you were dealing with, was finding scope day and like venturing out into that was that part of like a healing process for you or? Or was well, it a, a well, what happened you, was or? what happened was uh, at that time I actually, uh, unbeknownst to me, I had my very first manic episode. Okay. So with mania, you uh, you have a tendency not to have to sleep. You have creative thoughts. You think you're godlike. You uh, spend a lot of money. And um, yeah, I ended up you know working and 
contacting people within like a month's time and i was able to pull the other scope day which people didn't think was going to be possible to pull off but i pulled it off right but i was manic without knowing that I was manic <laughs> so for you the the actual thing you accomplished was actually rooted in the in the manic like episode it was it was, it was right. yeah it was actually inspired by mania and, and built by mania wow that is interesting so is it something like in so for me in my my processing like depression is still like a part of my life but it's it's not mm -hmm. been a controlling part of my life for a long time that's good like for for years it it was uh, so finding some tools out of that and even OCD, I'm actually learning how to leverage my OCD, like put, basically take the obsession, obsessive thoughts and focus it on like something that's healthy to be obsessive with. <laughs> do you, do you find that the, the mania for you is something that, that you can control in that way and leverage towards um, some of the endeavors uh, you're doing, or is it, is it not I've... even that same kind of thing? <laughs> Well, I have a better understanding of what mania is and what it means to be manic. And uh, I don't know. Like, that's... So when I mentioned that you you have a tendency to uh, spend a lot of money when you're manic, I actually dropped uh, $700,000 when I was manic. Damn. That was all trademarks or was it just all 40000 in trademarks, four hundred twenty-five k in uh, angel investments, 80000 in timeshare. I invested in some some people that end to be end up being like Han people, oh. or just BSers. Right. Um, I've made some of that money back. I, I actually invested in a company called The Hustle. Okay. And they, uh, I put in twenty five k. I doubled my money. I made about fifty k. Nice. So some I things actually, worked out. <laughs> uh, some things worked out. Yeah. And then there's a company called Hook It that. Uh, they got acquired by a company called Core. I made about twelve thousand, about thirteen thousand dollars off that, and then now I have like uh, over thirty thirty thousand plus in Series D for this company called Core, mm -hmm. which does uh, social media analytics for uh, you know brands. Interesting. And uh, I have like um, I have close to two hundred thousand dollars invested in uh, cannabis companies. In what? Oh, cannabis. cannabis. Yeah. Cannabis. Okay. Yeah. That's a good cannabis. space to be in. That's a brilliant space. We'll, to be we'll in. see. We'll see. I'm not sure. <laughs> TBD. So, so what you're saying, if I hear you right, though, you're saying the, the mania, you, cause the Mike Lynn I know now seems very focused and like, even as you're, you're building your company, you're not just throwing cash at it. You're being very smart in how you build it. Um, so for you, you want to kind of steer clear of, of the mania in a sense, because it, it caused you to do some, like just start making it rain all over the place. Yeah. I don't know whether or not I'm, uh, I'm spending money on, you know, my t-shirt venture t-shirts matter. Yep. But, uh, I'm doing things like I'm, you know, I'm hiring bands, like, you know, run with it to, to record, you know, songs, a, a Prince cover um, that I hear is supposed to be uh dropping, you know, eventually here. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually own the trademark for nothing compares the number two, the letter U, nothing compares to you, which was uh, made famous by Sinead O'Connor and written by Prince, which was later like redone and resung by Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, which is a pretty phenomenal song. Yeah. And yeah, then we have this, uh, 
amazing. We have this band called Run With It that's going to be uh, doing <laughs> nothing compared to you. I like how you drop that in. That's nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's actually going to be June seventh. Is nothing compares to you, which is Prince's birthday, but it's also during Pride Month. So we're going to be launching our two brands, Boys and Boys and Girls and Girls, which come from lyrics from Taylor Swift's song "Welcome to New York." In New York, you can be with anyone you want to be with, boys and boys and girls and girls. Right. That's awesome, man. So what were some of the tools that you feel like you've been able to use to to climb out of the depression, to climb out of the mania for you? Um, it's uh, I actually about three months ago, I was I just came out of a year and a half of being depressed, not showering, not shaving. And I think uh, I don't know, I, I definitely had like, you know, some pretty. uh Definitely had some suicidal ideations during that time. Like I just didn't think I was going to pull out of it. So, you know, I guess just, I have to just keep in mind that, you know, things, things can, and they may, and they will, and you can, you know, things can change and you'll get better. Yeah. Actually, one of the artists that performed on social media, rockstar, Jessica Lostra, I actually commissioned a song and, uh, she actually did a song called things things will get better mm-hmm. so that's gonna that's gonna launch and she's gonna perform it live on uh march 30th which is uh rolled bipolar day is what rolled bipolar day oh okay on march gotcha. 30th that's awesome man so yeah, for you and- is more just mindset and like what you're focusing on and kind of being if i hear you right it's almost like um being patient in the moment like what will be will happen kind of deal yeah i just have to remind myself if i if i I get depressed again to just know that it's a not a permanent state Mm. that uh eventually things will happen where i can pull out of it but it's it's kind of i mean i was i was depressed for a year and a half it was you know i was like i didn't really i didn't know what i was gonna do with myself but i started walking around the track just walking around the track and, and just, you know, doing a little bit of exercise, getting outside. And that was, you know, that was, that was helpful. Yeah, that does help a ton. And, but it's hard when it's those long stints, you know, for me, it was just, for me, I remember finding healing uh, from depression and realizing that I was always in pain because I suddenly wasn't in pain. Like I started realizing what it was like to not live with pain and it opened my eyes to how heavy things were you know, during that time. And so when you're in that for such a long time, like you say, and like things were so dark for like a year and a half, it doesn't feel like yeah. it will ever fucking end. And so no, I, I can understand how it hard didn't feel like it. Yeah. That, and definitely the, like for me, the working out, like being outside, those kind of things are huge yeah. tools, but, you know, kind of backtracking, you had mentioned something about the bubble. Uh, you were there for the dot-com bubble. And everything yeah. I'm reading and trying to understand about the NFT world is that it's mm-hmm. it's a legitimate world with so many great mm-hmm. opportunities. Yeah. But a lot of people are speculating that we're going to find that bubble point and kind of like almost reminiscent of the, the dot-com bubble. And then yeah. after the dust settles, then we'll find what the what NFTs will really accomplish. Um, one, do you well, agree with that statement? And two, do you have any insights then? 
from also mm-hmm. experiencing the dot com bubble like you i mean you were in it <laughs> i was in it i was deep, deep in it so gary vaynerchuk gary v he said that 98 to 99 percent of those uh, nfts are just going to be like they're just going to be like dead right they're just worth they're just worthless so there's definitely a bubble around nfts right now i mean there's big ones like uh board ape yacht club crypto punks right that actually Eminem recently bought a board ape yacht club for four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. That's nuts. <laughs> That's insane. It's the real deal. They're actually uh, looking to get getting funding from uh, venture capitalists. Wow. But I'm actually minting uh, Banksy NFTs. Yeah. For uh, two twenty two twenty two at two twenty two p.m. GMT. That's awesome. Now, I know that's the one that's kind of stirred up some controversy as well uh, for you. Uh, can you break that down, especially when it comes around copyright and how Banksy doesn't mm-hmm. copyright his stuff? Like where, what your thought process is going into releasing the Banksy stuff? Well, actually, Banksy does trademark his stuff. But what happened was in the UK, there is a, a company that did greeting cards with his work. And they went to court with Banksy. Banksy actually in a book was quoted as saying that copyright is for losers. (laughs) He said that. The problem that Banksy faces is since he's anonymous, he can't prove that it is him that's actually creating these bodies of work. So he has lost all rights to his copyright because of his anonymity, which allows people like me to take his work and mint them as NFTs. Hmm. And I saw where you were, I was reading some folks commenting on it. Um, and I saw where you were talking with them, essentially saying, like, if he's willing to divulge who he is, like. If he, he could prove his identity, it. we'll give him 50%. Right. Of the profits. Yeah. So with the drop, it's going to be 50 plus NFTs. You can see them on the IG account, art of dot Banksy. You can see all the images that we're minting. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, there was a vendor in Central Park in, in uh, New York that was selling $60 like prints of Banksy. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out it was actually real work by Banksy. Interesting. So I'm channeling my inner Banksy and I'm offering these 60, or actually these 50 plus NFTs at $60 in an addition of 111 and we're actually going to give 11% of that to uh, Doctors Without Borders, which Banksy actually kind of collaborates with them with, with some of his refugee work with, okay. his, uh, with his boat. So, you know, if Banksy wants to come ahead and, you know, confirm his identity, we'll give him 50-50, you know, we'll be 50-50 partners. Right. What drove you to want to do this with the Banksy stuff? What was the motivation for you? I think the fact that I was like knee deep in trademarks and IP and just knowing that, you know, Banksy is probably one of the most famous artists in the world that doesn't actually have rights to his copyright because of his anonymity. So I was like, well, guess what? I'll do him a favor and mint the NFTs for him. (laughs) 
Now, with the Banksy stuff itself, like the the book that you're talking about, where he quotes that you were quoting, what was his yeah. what what was he trying to say when he's like copywriter for losers? Because I'm not familiar with kind of what like the content. Oh, I don't know what his I don't know what his mindset was, but all I know is he said copywriters for losers. Interesting. Actually, on his website, on the on the contact page, it says even though com- even though Banksy was quoted saying that copyright is for losers, please respect his copyright. <laughs> do you, buddy? Do you, uh, you you can't have it both ways, buddy. <laughs> do you imagine he's going to come out? What's your thoughts? I hope I hope he does, but uh, my money is probably that he won't. Gotcha. Yeah, he's yeah. built a brand essentially off of that anonymity. It's a it's an interesting thing to kind of tackle with, especially like I think NFTs have brought it to the forefront as well when you combine it with ownership of digital products um, and you combine it with the blockchain. Like I think more and more inter- inter- intellectual property has become a huge conversation. And I don't yeah, think – I know for me sometimes I still wrestle with it. Like what does that look like? Um, cause that's, that's the world I live in with music, you yeah. know? And so it's an interesting thing that you're diving into and breaking down. Yeah, We're- actually, uh, we were originally on a platform called spring mm-hmm. formerly known as Teespring. Right. Spring just today in the next, in the last like six hours or so, just, just announced something called mint on demand where they're going to make it so that anybody can mint an nft on the polygon blockchain and sell those nfts via a credit card and paypal that's crazy that's a game changer right there because it's going to be so much more accessible because now you don't have to go get a wallet fuel up with ethereum pay your gas fees you're just going to be able to buy it without any gas fees with That's a credit nuts. card or PayPal. Right. It's a are game they, changer. Are they only using the Polygon platform? Is that what they're... They're using Polygon because Polygon is uh, only uses about 0.03% the uh, energy that Ethereum uses. So they're okay. very, very, very eco-friendly. So that could be the Ethereum killer in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's Polygon, the fact that you can use a credit card, the fact that you can use PayPal is a game changer. When did they make that announcement? It's like within the last six hours. Oh, no shit. I I haven't even looked at my... I'm curious what my ether's at. (laughs) And how... Because I noticed there was like a big run-up several days ago. And it's actually up again today. So yeah. that there was a quick I, dip, a quick uh, dip though in there. Okay. So I, I'm a, I'm a nerd and I just keep watching it every day to see where it's going. And Ethereum though, I do think is going to be a backbone and going to be around for a good long time. But um, I am curious of how Polygon, especially. Well, I think the, Polygon is going to, I think Polygon is going to, I think. So right now, Spring made the announcement. It's going to be rolling. They're going to be rolling it out. It's not going to be available immediately to everyone. You have to apply. Mm-hmm. 
we were actually the sixth people to be able to like have NFTs available through their beta program. So according to my contacts at spring, I should have the ability next week to mint as many NFTs that I want. That's wild. Yeah. I will have to check that out because we, we have our first project that's coming out with our re-release of our EP yeah. uh, in March. And then we have two other projects that we're dropping um, probably like later spring and then fall, yeah. we're going to have some other ones coming out. So, um, and that was, that was one of the pieces trying to manage like gas fees, trying to manage like yeah. that back end of it to make sure it's still viable and make sure it's still at affordable price because we want to be you focused can't. on the fans. Yeah, you can't because we actually were going to launch uh, Banksy NFTs on 122, 22. Mm -hmm. But for a $60 NFT, the gas fees are about $140. Jesus. So yeah. oh, no one bought them. So that's why we're right. going to mint them on. We're Well, we're planning on minting them on uh, Polygon. I was having some problems actually minting on Polygon. Uh, Polygon. But with the announcement from Spring, we're going to use Spring to to sell the uh, Banksy NFTs. Okay. So boom, sixty bucks with a credit card. You know, you can buy yourself a Banksy NFT. That's awesome. Do you know when they uh, selfishly asking? Um, I, hopefully, we're not losing any listeners. But do you know when they're going to drop it to the public for Spring? They said it's rolling. You have to actually go into Spring. Go Spring NFT. Okay. Uh, mint on demand and apply you have to apply okay i will have to do that man i love it so we actually with the uh banksy nft we commissioned uh two videos now we have a third one coming have you seen the ones that we did there's one with puppets i, I have not seen those yet i haven't checked those out okay yet. okay if you go into uh youtube.com forward slash t-shirts matter Okay. We'll find one called Banksy, and you'll see the puppet one. There's one with a spokeswoman out of the UK. We found both of them off of Fiverr. And we actually have a song now. There's actually a song. It's bit.ly forward slash lowercase letters into the metaverse 22. Oh, you were telling me about that. Yeah, so we commissioned a song <laughs> called Into the Metaverse, which mashes up backyard again into the thick of it with the little Einstein's theme song with <laughs> Snoop Dogg gin and juice and Taylor Swift 22 since we're we're dropping on 22 at 2 22 p.m GMT I love it man that's awesome <laughs> we now actually remixed it though we have a remix coming where we had a guy do some beats he's out of morocco nice. and we have a woman who's doing vocals out of la that should actually be coming to us tomorrow so we're going to create a video showing a slideshow of banksy nfts that are available and it'll be a song where we actually drop some names we, we drop a dogecoin cryptocurrency ethereum polygon board ape yacht club the hundreds CryptoPunks, Paris World. They're all in there. The Snoopverse, it's all there. <laughs> now, going as as time gets kind of wrapping up here, I did want to dive into a little bit more with the music side of you because it seems to be such a core piece. 
I'm curious, where did your passion for music start? Was that something even as a little kid uh, that you were passionate about, or did it come along like once you hit college and started booking bands? No, it came about in high school. Yeah, really got in, into bands in high school. There's actually a, uh, I wrote a bio about myself. It's just bit.ly, capital M-I-K-E, capital L-I-N, capital B-I-O. Mike Lynn bio with a capital M, L, and B, which uh, I was manic when I wrote it, but it basically covers, you know, my life from like high school to uh, to about the time before, just, just before I launched Scope Day. Yeah. Was it a particular band that that grabbed you, that kind of opened your eyes, opened your heart? Uh, the first band I ever saw in concert was uh, Depeche Mode with Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark opening up. And I actually was going to a boarding school in Cleveland, Ohio, when uh, a band by the name of Nine Inch Nails started their career in Cleveland, Ohio. That's amazing. So you got to see like Nine Inch Nails in a club kind of deal? I saw National so many times. Actually, uh, Kevin Lyman and Ray Woodbury, who I worked with, actually did the production for the uh, Downward Spiral Tour. Wow. Yeah, they actually had all the, the set pieces in their warehouse. And uh, at one point, Trent had all his personal belongings stored in their warehouse. And I actually got to see the, uh, the band minus Trent rehearse wow. in the warehouse. Yeah. And we actually, we actually got like a frozen yogurt with, uh, some of the, uh, some of the, uh, band members. That's pretty cool. It's cool to, to see that's, that's been some of my favorite things where I've just happened upon, uh, artists when they were just coming up and to see where they go. It's, and yeah, obviously Trent, Trent Reznor and, you know, Nine Inch Nails, just such a iconic, uh, and amazing music, amazing music. Yeah. Well, for, for the last two questions uh, out of the podcast uh, name, Live and Create, uh, starting with the first of the last two questions. Right now, how would you define living a great life? Uh, living a great life is not too hard for me. It's just trying to, like, you know, focus on my mental health, stay healthy, be productive, not let the uh, demons of depression take me down. And, you know, I, I actually have two young kids. I have a daughter who's turning 19, uh, middle of the, or actually near the end of the month. And I have a son mid April, he's turning 16. So I talk to them like once a week. And so, you know, I gotta make it back to to the States and kind of see them grow up. So that, that's, you know, a, a big focus, you know, it's just, you know, trying to be a good, good father as much as I can, you know, dealing with depression Nice. And, uh, you know, I'm now keeping myself busy with uh, T-shirts matter. We're doing multiple things. We're minting NFTs with the Banksy drop. We're doing live streaming virtual concerts. And obviously, we're trying to sell merchandise as well. I actually hired an affiliate marketing company to help us out. They're uh, called Rexy, R-E-X-X-Y. Um, formerly known as Boss B Boss Box B O X X dot C O. It's Rexy R E X X Y dot C O. 
So they're going to be reaching out to affiliates for our, our next event, which is uh, Riot Girl, G-U-R-L, on Tuesday, March 8th. Right. It's a celebration of International Women's Day, and it's going to be a benefit for Planned Parenthood. I don't know. Are you familiar with the Right Girl Movement, G-R-R-L? I'm not familiar. I only know the term because of you and talking with you about the live streaming and okay. uh, our last few conversations. So it was a feminist punk movement out of the Pacific Northwest. The biggest band that kind of uh, came out of it was Bikini Kill. Okay. Kathleen Hanna. They had a song called Rebel Girl. Now there's a young band. Uh, th- three quarters of the band are Asian Americans called the Linda Lindas. Yes, so I have they, heard of them. The Linda Lindas. They redid Rebel Girl for a Netflix show called moxie m-o-x-i-e okay so the modern day riot girls g-r-r-l are the linda lindas and pussy riot nice yeah so we actually i actually have the trademark to write g-r-r-l but i reached out to kathleen Hanna from bikini kill we're going to transfer the domain, actually the, the trademark, over to Molly Newman, who actually was in Bratmobile and coined the coined the term "right girl" in a in a in a zine, and so they're going to own the uh, they're going to own the trademark. We we actually went in, I actually went in and then did it kind of defensively, so that you wouldn't have someone like Urban Outfitters doing T-shirts that said, you know, "right girl." Nice. Yeah, and, uh, and out of it, I'm like, you know, I hope that they'll license it back to me because I have NFTs and I have T-shirts with the right girl <laughs> on it. You're like, so I'm doing this. I'm sliding this across the table, but, you know, what what can we slide back here? <laughs> yeah, I kind of need to get, like, a licensing. Yeah. Other, otherwise, I'm infringing on a former trademark of mine. <laughs> Damn, yeah. All right, can you put that in a smart contract and just put the royalties in there? um well I, I don't know like licensing is you know a legal document but you can put into the smart contract a percentage yeah. that goes to a nonprofit cause gotcha yeah yeah i was just curious on that oh well, just so cool. you know royalties the uh average rate of a royalty or the standard rate for a royalty is 10 percent. okay yeah yeah, and I've heard every everything in between ten and twenty percent, um, as far as people. Ten standard. Out numbers, ten but. is very standard. I actually have one NFT out of the Banksy fifty plus that we are minting for a uh, one dollar, a series of forty seven. It's uh, at art of dot Banksy. There's two young children in front of a Native American with a sign that says "No Trespassing." Yes. And, uh, yeah, $1 edition of 47 and that pictures of my kids. Wow. So they'll well, get all the money off of that. That's one thing I like about your perspective. Cause as I've tried to learn the NFT world, again, I think there's a lot of people and Gary Vaynerchuk is one person I, I listen to a lot as well. You re- referenced him earlier mm-hmm. that there's people who are just kind of doing a money grab. And I think some of the articles you've sent me, even about Avenged Sevenfold and how they're utilizing it, 
and the way that you're approaching it is this concept i think of finding a way to make it affordable yet advantageous like you still want to make money off of it but how do you make it affordable and get it into the hands of people who believe in your brand and who believe in who you are and and really and it's cool because gary vaynerchuk that's that's been his perspective it seems like as well like how do you make this make this really about still connecting and providing value for the people you're you're supposed to build your community you want (laughs) to build your community yeah and i think those are the to me i think when the bubble does pop that those are will be the brands and the nfts that continue to move forward because people are buying into something other than the hope of making some quick cash and yeah uh, yeah that's pretty cool well and so for the last question of of it all so right now how would you define creating great things how would i define creating great things i'm just creating things that i find interesting you know hopefully other people find them interesting if they don't find them interesting then it's it's one of those things where i'm just focusing you know i don't necessarily need to work so i'm just focusing on things that you know bring me joy that I'm working, but it doesn't feel like work, you know, it's just fun. Well, I, I think it's really cool that, you know, getting to know you over these last several years of like, like you said, you, you're a man that has resources, but that you could just check out a life if you wanted to, in a sense, but instead you're trying to still build something and invest in other artists, uh, create opportunities for other artists. Like you've created opportunities for us. Um, and I think that's, I think that's really, really cool. And I hope it sets an example for other folks who, as they build their own, you know, kingdoms <laughs> that yeah. they ask themselves, how can I still invest in other people? Mm-hmm. How can I still come up behind other people and, uh, and help them grow and give them platforms. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. So our uh, tagline for t-shirts matter is t-shirts matter is a disruptive streetwear brand for social good inspired by obey giant and banksy the reason why it's disruptive is not it's disruptive instead of disruptive is we're dissing these big companies like disney we're gonna just dissing them <laughs> it's a it's an underground movement the big the big kind of fuck you kind of deal i actually have the domain fuckdisney.org. that belongs to me <laughs> <laughs> have you watched that uh it's like a a horror movie that they filmed in disney without i've disney heard about going. it i, I heard have, about that i've seen a trailer for it it looks fucking amazing i it sounds yeah. like you might like i'm gonna have to have to dive into that as well well before we head out let everyone know how they can find what you're up to online and connect with you so go to uh link tr.ee forward slash t shirts matter t-s-h-i-r-t-s-m-a-t-t-e-r we've got a bunch of links there we have uh obviously we have the t-shirt you know link to uh t-shirtsmatter.com where you can buy merchandise and uh we'll be hopefully having a, a subdomain off of that that'll have like nfts as well and um yeah to those listeners you know just uh subscribe on youtube youtube.com forward slash t the letter t shirts matter 
we have a couple shows coming up. We have the Ride Girl on um, March 8th. We have one that's going to launch a brand called IV Colon XX on April 20th, which is Roman numerals for 420. And then we have uh, June 7th. We have Nothing Compares to You, which is going to be a, a celebration of Prince as well as uh, Girls and Girls and Boys and Boys. And we have some t-shirt designs that are influenced by Michael Jackson, uh, Freddie Mercury, David Bowie, Taylor Swift, Let It Go. And we'll have, you know, we're probably hoping to do like seven or eight. We actually, the other one too, we'll have a very short program for March 30th, which is World Bipolar Day. But in the future, we're hoping to have uh, events around Disney songs. There's a character called Mortimer Mouse that we actually have a, an allowance from the trademark owners, Mortimer Pub and Cafe. So we have that one. And then we have the uh, brand Punk Rock Summer Camp. So we're hoping to do something with a uh, pop punk, maybe maybe songs by, by the band Blink-182 or Green Day. That'd be fun. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.